Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Spooky Gals, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real-life paranormal and creepy occurrences, from ghost sightings and hauntings, to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends and more. Every week we'll cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts, I'm Katrina. And I am Jasmine. Hello, guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week. I know, I we're know. back with an actual story this week. I know, yeah. I know. I, I hope you all enjoyed enjoyed us uh, blathering like true idiots, like we are, uh, for 40 minutes last week. <laughs> it was but r- now really fun. We actually have... <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot, lot of fun. fun. But now Catty Catty has another Oh, how many words is this? It's nearly it's nearly at one and a half thousand. Yeah, words. this is quite a long <laughs> one. It had it was a lot to fit nice. in. Um Oh no no no, I'm very excited. It's fun though. It's very fun. Um Okay. So just before we start, we'd like to say a massive thank you to our newest patron and my fellow Liverpudlian, Tremaine Darnell. So thank you so much Aww. for becoming a patron and supporting us. Um, we really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Tremaine. Thank you. I bet you know what you know what I bet snagged him. I bet it was the speak hall episode. It was, you know, what, like, actually, that's right. We, that's right. <laughs> we spoke about that one in the Nisham Park Hospital one, and it was yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. nice, cool. Well, thank you very much. Good to have you on board. Yeah. Thank you. So anything fun happened this week, Kat? How's um, uni going? I finished one of my essays and I have an exam in four days. <gasps> I have my Latin four days. exam. Um, Jesus. But hopefully it'll be fine. Hopefully it's fine. Obviously I don't, I can't like go into university for it. So it's an online one. Mm. Um, no. Yeah. Super. I'm sure you'll smash super, it. Super, super fine. Can't think of it. <laughs> can't think of why it wouldn't be a Latin exam. Mm? You know what, yep. Catty? I feel like you can just channel um channel it's not the ancient Romans who fucking spoke Latin. Yeah, it was. People in Oxford speak Latin. Was it the ancient Romans? <laughs> yes. I thought they spoke ancient Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? You thought it was the other Are ones, you okay? the Greeks. No, they spoke Greek. Fuck. <laughs> oh, Jasmine, no. Oh no. Are you okay? I was like, who spoke Latin? I thought it couldn't have been the Romans because they speak Italian. I'm such a fucking idiot. <laughs> I mean, oh. I love you, baby. It's all right. You don't have I'm to be so smart stupid. and pretty. No, oh, I don't. I didn't. I'm just in shock right now. Anyway, today's story. <laughs> I yeah. am very excited about this. It was very fun. Um, did take a long time to write, but the story that we are covering today is yes. the Hopkinsville Goblins. Ooh. Sadly, um, not real goblins. Or at least they're, oh. they're considered like aliens instead of goblins. That um, sucks. But initially the fact that they it said it they were goblins attracted me to it because, as you know, I do want to be the goblin queen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> goblin king, goblin king, wherever you may be. <laughs> oh. 
Katrina's first true love is Jareth, the Goblin King. (laughs) I always always used to like point to like the ugliest goblin in that one scene where they're all like crammed in. (laughs) And I was like, Zabby, that's you. And she would cry. (laughs) Like, no, no, it's not. Um, I'm like, yeah, that's you. I'm like, I'm the pretty one and you're the ugly one, Zabby. And she's like, no, (laughs) you're not ugly, Zabby. You're so beautiful. You're wonderful. And then you'd also you'd also call her creature. Creature. From Harry Potter. Did I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Harry Potter, creature. Oh dear. Oh <laughs> yeah, creature, the goblin. <laughs> house elf. Sorry, house elf. house elf. Wrong species. Wrong species. So my sources for this were Wikipedia, Darktales.blog, CountryLiving.com, ThinkAnomalous.com, and especially History.com because that's where a lot of this information came from. At around 11pm on the hot summer night of August 21st, 1955, a terrified, frantic group entered the Hopkinsville Police Station in southwestern Kentucky. There, they told the bizarre story of how they'd been trapped in their farmhouse under siege by approximately 12 to 15 small, dark alien creatures whom they had managed to hold off with gunfire for nearly four hours. The petrified group consisted of the Sutton family, widowed matriarch Glennie Lankford, her two eldest sons, Elmer and John Charlie Sutton, both their respective wives, Vera and Aline, Aline's brother, O.P. Baker, and Glennie's three youngest children, aged seven, 10 and 12, as well as friends of Elmer who were visiting, Billy Ray Taylor and his wife June, making it 11 people in total who claimed to have witnessed the creatures. Concerned about a potential civilian gun battle breaking out, four city policemen, five state troopers, three deputy sheriffs and four military police from the nearby US Army base Fort Campbell were quickly dispatched to the Sutton farmhouse, located near the tiny rural hamlet of Kelly in Christian County. Upon their arrival, however, they found nothing strange other than evidence of gunfire and numerous bullet holes in window and door screens of the farmhouse, through which the Suttons had apparently shot at the creatures. Despite finding nothing, When two officers returned to the farmhouse the next day to conduct a follow-up check on the family, the Suttons were nowhere to be seen, with neighbours telling the officers that the family had packed up and left after claiming the creatures had returned around 3.30 in the morning. Can I just interject with one little thing? Mm -hmm. I feel like the name Glennie Lankford is so badass (laughs) in, in such a specific, like, American way. Yeah. Glennie Langford, the matriarch. I think that's such a cool name. Sounds like it's from like a storybook. Yeah. Which makes me think this whole thing is hogwash. But I'll let you carry on. <laughs> so according to accounts given to the police from members of the group, it had been around 7pm that evening when strange things had begun to occur. Billy Ray Taylor, the family friend who was visiting the Suttons, was fetching water from the well in the backyard of the property when he saw a silver object, real bright with an exhaust all the colours of the rainbow, shoot across the sky. It then came towards the farmhouse, flew over it, stopped completely in the air, 
and suddenly dropped straight to the ground, all while making absolutely no noise. Billy Ray rushed inside the farmhouse and told the others what he'd just seen, but they all just assumed it was a joke and laughed it off. That was until an hour later when, alerted by the dog's constant barking, Billy Ray and Elmer went to the back door to check what was going on. When they opened the door, they saw a strange glow and realised that there was a small humanoid creature in the middle of it. The creature was about three and a half feet tall, with a shimmering metallic looking body, an almost perfectly round oversized head, large pointed ears, giant eyes that glowed yellow, long arms which almost reached the ground, and hands with sharp talons. The two terrified men slammed the door and grabbed guns to defend themselves, one a 20-gauge shotgun and the other a .22 rifle, and they fired at the little man that was still standing outside. The creature had raised its hands as it came towards the back door, and when the men shot at it, it did a sort of flip and landed on the floor, and then quickly stood back up and scrambled away into the darkness. The family's terror escalated when Billy Ray stepped outside, and a long claw-like hand reached down from the small overhanging roof towards his head. Screaming, the group pulled him back into the house while Elmer shot at the creature on the roof, and then at another in a nearby tree, which then floated to the ground and ran away into the woods on the edge of the property. The creatures seemed impenetrable to bullets, and the sound of the bullets hitting them apparently sounded as if they were striking a metal bucket. Huddled together inside, the group spent the next few hours trying to defend their home from the aliens, with the men firing through the door and window screens at the numerous creatures which would repeatedly peer in through them, and listening for movement and the occasional scratch on the roof. With no electricity, radio or telephone, they were unable to contact anyone for help, and it wasn't until 11pm when they decided it was safe enough to leave, and they ran as a group to their vehicles and sped away as fast as they could to the Hopkinsville police station. As previously mentioned, however, when law enforcement arrived at the Sutton's farmhouse, there were no signs of any bizarre creatures, and the only evidence that something weird had occurred was the numerous shell casings on the floor and bullet holes in the window and door screens, as well as in nearby trees. Once the police had left, though, the creatures apparently returned between 2.30 and 3.30am, with Glennie Lankford claiming that she saw one at her bedroom window, which was glowing and had its claw-like hand up against the window screen, which prompted the family to flee once more. See, again, like... It doesn't sound like these aliens were trying to hurt them, number one. <laughs> they were the ones who went full redneck and began, like, fucking shooting at them from the... It makes no sense. They were just hanging around, you know, standing there doing backflips, like <laughs> like, like, like little acrobatic drag queens with their long nails, you know. Mm. They, they weren't doing any harm. Okay? No, they weren't. I mean, it they would weren't. be quite scary still if there were, like, 12 or 15 of them. But they're just hanging out. It's fine. Wait until you hear the um, explanation that people give for these creatures. <laughs> they were on meth. These are my meth demons. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't think that's even a thing, but like, you know. <laughs> well, they were actually a really religious family, so Glennie did say that she thought they might have been demons. <laughs> but the reason that they got their name of goblins is because apparently one of the men came in and said that there were goblins. <laughs> The family's claims received widespread coverage in local and national press, and the case is actually the origin of the popularisation of the term Little Green Men in relation to aliens. As although it had previously been used in obscure works of science fiction, it had never before been used within wider popular media. Despite the fact that the creatures described by the Sutton family were metallic silver rather than green, Local reporters took the Sutton's quote of little men and changed it to little green men, and the words became reproduced in other media and eventually became part of popular culture, as it remains until today. As you may have guessed, this case is considered a very controversial one, with believers regarding it as one of the most significant and well-documented encounters with extraterrestrial beings and sceptics considering it to be the Sutton's misunderstanding of explainable natural phenomena, or even a complete hoax. One theory, supported by a number of psychologists and even some prominent ufologists, suggests that the creatures the group saw were actually great horned owls, (laughs) which are nocturnal, fly silently, have yellow eyes, are approximately two foot tall, and aggressively defend their nests. Yeah, so most, a lot of people say that they think that this these were just owls. Um, Imagine them shooting at owls, that's horrible. But then, like, they didn't find any dead owls. Maybe they flew off because they were, maybe they were just really, really bad aims. Like, really bad. Maybe, but... Couldn't even shoot an owl in the dark. (laughs) (laughs) But they did say that they heard, like, the bullets hitting the creatures. But, but like, a metallic noise. Mm. Wouldn't happen with an owl. Again, I think they were on a lot of edibles. (laughs) That's my personal view. Someone spiked the brownies, and they all got fucked up, and imagined they had the same trip. Okay, let's carry on. In addition, the bright light Billy Ray saw streak across the sky may have been a meteor, which he mistook for something paranormal. And any strange glow coming from the direction of the woods could be explained by foxfire, a bioluminescent fungus that grows on decaying wood. Other sceptics claimed that members of the family must have been drunk mm-hmm. or inspired by works of science fiction to play pranks or stage a hoax to gain money. This has been bitterly refuted by supporters of the Suttons, and Glennie herself even said that alcohol was not allowed in the farmhouse. Considering the fact that the house didn't even have running water, never mind a TV or radio, it is doubtful that the family had ever even come into contact with any media related to UFOs or aliens, so wouldn't know enough to stage a hoax. When the group entered the Hopkinsville police station, they were also genuinely terrified according to members of the police force working there, with the women and children hysterically crying, and one man having a pulse of over 140 beats per minute when it was measured by an investigator. 
As Police Chief Russell Greenwell later told investigators, these aren't the kind of people who normally run to the police for help. What they do is reach for their guns. So for them to go to the police station, they really must have felt like they were in danger and had no other option. The Sutton family also didn't really gain anything from the incidents if it really was a hoax. They were ridiculed by many within their community when the story broke. Glennie was apparently so disturbed by the encounter that she quickly sold the farmhouse and moved to an apartment in town so that she could feel safer around other people. And one of her elder sons, John Charlie, was unable to hold down a job anymore due to PTSD. So, what do you think? An elaborate hoax? Legitimately terrifying confrontation with aliens? Or just some really big aggressive owls? No matter which theory you agree with, the case of the Hopkinsville Goblins remains one of the most famous instances of a supposed encounter with extraterrestrial life, and has had an incredibly important influence on popular culture. There you have it, kids. You have shiny goblins. Oh my. Shiny alien goblins. Can I can I just say one thing though? Something I love about I'm not I'm not sure if if it's just how you wrote it or if mm-hmm. it's how it was intended in the original reports, but everything just makes this family sound like the most like isolated, like typical sort of yeah. southern redneck family like doubtful they had any contact with any media and all they do is reach for their guns i mean (laughs) yeah like they didn't have electricity they didn't have running water they didn't have a tv they didn't have radio one thing said they didn't have books what did they do i don't know cans (gasps) oh maybe they were shooting cans threatening cans because it makes a metallic noise like shooting like tins yeah well that's why they would they would have known what the sound what it sounded like I feel like, honestly, it it sounds like someone was playing a joke on them, or it's or it sounds like they were, again, even if they were shooting at owls, maybe behind the owls they had all of these like tins from when they did target practice and shit, so they caught a couple of tins, but for the majority of them they're all really really bad shots, right? Mm. I don't know. I don't really. I believe that there is something out there. Like, I think you'd have to be rather short, like, you'd have to be rather full of yourself as a human being to think that we are the only Mm. living things in the entire universe. But I don't think they're little goblins with, like, shiny bodies and long drag queen nails. I mean, (laughs) um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know, because it's like, it is really detailed. And if exactly what they say is true then I don't know how you would explain it. Yeah. Well, I I can get um, you mistaking an owl for what these creatures, they have described them to look like. Yeah. (laughs) But also, like, they're very much not owls. Yeah, but I... Honestly, I think it's a question of do you believe human beings when they tell you something? And by and large, I would say no, I don't. Yeah. But but 11 people in total. And then they all vanish, except for poor Glennie, who lives in town by herself because she's so traumatised. Well, apparently it had a really negative impact on, like, all of them. Like, there was an article 
I think it was the country living one. Um, and part of it was, I think one of the one of the younger kids was later interviewed, and they said that like, yeah, it was it was really bad for the entire family, and everyone was really horrible to them after it. I wonder. I don't know. I feel like if some if it were a hoax, that maybe Billy Ray Taylor and his wife had something to do with it. The, the two friends that were visiting. Because they were, they were friends of Elmer's, so one of the older sons. They'd apparently worked in, like, a travelling circus together, so... You mean their performers for a living, Katrina? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't know what they did in the circus. Perhaps they were acrobats, a bit like a certain little green man. <laughs> but then in, in no... In no part of the story do they go missing at any point, if anything... Billy Ray is one of the main people who shoots at the aliens. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's going to be it's it's a long it's a debated case, and it's going yes. to remain so even after this incredible episode. Honestly, I feel like if anyone can figure it out, Kat, it's me and you, and our merry <laughs> merry band of freaks. We love you guys. Mm. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I think I think it was a drug-induced psychosis, personally. And Catty, Catty seems to be a bit more ambivalent. I feel like normally it's the other way around. Uh. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know if. Uh, I t- yeah, it would be really ignorant to say that there was no other life in I the universe. I think there can be other life, but the other life doesn't have to be little shiny, clawed creatures. Yeah. You know what I mean? I feel like the other life forms can be literally like a little microscopic Bacterium. amoeba. Yeah. Yes, precisely. That's a life. Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily like life as we know it. Life is as in like... Maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm going to agree with that, but um, but you never bloody know. You never bloody know, do you? You never, you're never, you never bloody, bloody know. know. We wouldn't have a podcast <laughs> if you did know. So... Yeah, that's I'm very, very true. For that. Thank you, thank you, <laughs> Glenny, Glenny Langford and Co. You guys mm-hmm. rule. Okay, shall we wrap this up? So, thank you so much for listening, and we hope to have you back for next week's episode. If you want to get in touch for any reason, just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygirlspodcast at gmail.com and also make sure to like and follow our Spooky Girls Facebook page as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also check us out on Twitter at Spooky Girls Pod and on Instagram at Spooky Girls Podcast. If you want to support us further then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygirls and from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky. Goodbye! Bye-bye.